This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 39 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Subtleties of Body Language and Eye Contact. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Vianova Training and Cavalier Feet. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, we're going to cover the subtleties of body language and eye contact. Horses are constantly communicating with us through their their body language, and I think it's important that we kind of start to learn a little bit more about it. So we're going to discuss some of the subtleties and things we can look for. You know, a lot of times people ask me, where can I buy clickers? Where can I buy targets? Where can I buy, you know, books, whatever? You can go to my website, which is www.on-target-training.com, or even easier, just Google shaunacarish.com, and you're going to find um, my website. You'll find Vianova as well. But you, as you get there, you can go to, there's product page where you can look for products. There's Ask Shauna where you can ask questions. But that is a place where you can find some of the clickers, the side buckets, the targets, if you're interested in learning more and and getting more information about that. At Fianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy, happy athlete, or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse, and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there, and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Vianova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. Alrighty. So this is something that is one of those subjects that is really near and dear to my heart because what I'm constantly trying to do is understand more about how my horse feels about things that we're doing, about things that are going on around him and, and all of that I can really look for in the body language, the things they're doing, the, 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 the there's so many little pieces there. And, and one of the things that I kind of notice with a, a lot of traditional training, people that when we've come up traditionally learning about horses, a lot of times we're not looking at the smallest little things. You know, we're looking for when his head flew up in the air. Yes, he was over threshold, <laughs> but really it started so much earlier and so much sooner than that, that it is 
we want to start to recognize that. One of the things that can help is when we do recognize it in earlier stages before it is way down the pike, we can actually start to help them with it. We can help them to cope with the situation if there's worry, let's say. We can help to prevent some of the things before they get bigger or feel more aversive for the horse. We can start to recognize the little teeny tiny things. So we're going to talk about some of those things and, and what they might look like. So there's certain pieces that I look for all the time. I start, I look at the face a lot. So I'm looking at the eyes. I'm looking at the tenseness in the lips, the tenseness in the nose, the tenseness in the jaw. Is the lip look all square and pointy or does this, the does it look all tight and pursed or does it, you know, and figuring out all those little, and the shape of the eye. Does the eye look soft? Does the eye look pinched? Does the eye look hard? Where are the ears? That's another piece that can go with it. But all of those things right then and there tell me a lot about the horse. Just recently, a friend of mine, um, she had her horse uh, go off to a trainer and to learn some of the under saddle parts. So she would go visit him. And then we looked at a video of him and she said, well, how does he look? And I said, well, he looks fine from what I can see. What I would like to see are his lips and his nose. So I wanted to see really close up. If he's standing there with tight lips and tight nose, that tells me a very different story than than if he's standing there completely relaxed and yet engaged, you know, so there's pieces that I look for. And, and one of those parts also is the eye contact. So just now, as I said, he stands there, does he look like he's engaged? You know, because they can stand quietly and peacefully, but their eye is with me. I can tell that they're alert to their environment, not overly so, but there's also, we can also shut down horses. And there's a lot of horses I've seen that can look very quiet and, and like they're not doing anything, but the eye is very far away. And I don't feel like the horse is here with me. He's not, you know, it's kind of a, a vacancy I almost feel in their eyes. So that eye contact and what I'm reading out of their eyes is also very important to me. So one of the things that I'm going to point out is, and this is hard, but the picture that I put with this podcast is a picture of my Murray. Now, some of you know, just a few weeks ago, I lost Murray and he was only seven and he broke his pelvis out on the track paddock with other horses being a horse. And, and, and these things happen, you know, he was, he was living his life as a horse and there's nothing more I could ask for than that. We risk it every day. Horses break their leg in their stall. They can break their leg on the paddock. I'd rather him be out playing and something happen than, than not. It's the quality of life for me that I think is really important that he can be a horse who gets to socialize and have free time to, to root, move and run and play. So the, the uh, a few weeks ago, I was called, I live here on the property and I was called because, um, I was just told there's a horse on stuck on the fence, which was a little bro broken English, but basically saying a horse wouldn't move from the fence. I go out and I see that it's Murray. And as I get closer, I see the swelling in on his hip and, and it's pretty drastic. And so promptly I call the vet. And meanwhile, when the vet is there and while the vet is working, while we're waiting for the vet, I start taking pictures of Murray because I start to recognize that I think this is going to be, you know, really, really serious. And so I took pictures of him. Of course we do. That's what we do. I love him. And, and the pictures that I have 
as I looked at it later, this is a horse who had to be put down. He had a broken pelvis. I mean, he was in a tremendous amount of pain. And, and I shared the picture because I think it shows the subtleties of what to look for. So I want you to take a look at that picture. Uh, if you can pull that up, take a look at that picture. And you'll see an eye that looks a little pinched on the top. But overall, it doesn't look, it, this doesn't look like the pain you might anticipate. He's not screaming. He's not, you know, he's just, he's standing quietly. But look at his lips. Look at the rings around his nostrils. Look at the tenseness in his lips and in his chin. And those things or what the subtleties we need to look for. If you just saw a picture of this horse's head, you may not think that this is pain. Some people are more trained at it and they get it, but but for a lot of people, they don't, you know, and we don't, we haven't been taught to really recognize this. And I share this because I think it's really significant. Murray taught so many people. I got letters and emails and packages from people all over the world saying how much they've learned from Murray because of chronicling what he's done. Some people have come here and watched him in person at workshops here at Villanova. And some people have even had the chance to work with him. So he has taught people throughout his life. And I felt like in this moment, this was a, a rather raw thing for me to do. It was a little scary and a little hard to post this picture of him. But he's, but I think it's important that we can learn from even Murray's final hours. He's here to teach us and to help us to learn to recognize some of these things that can look really subtle. So that is where the picture of Murray comes in. And I hope that you will take a look at it and, and, and see what that looks like. You know, that is, it is not, it, it's, it, it's a very, it can be very subtle. So I apologize for getting a little emotional about that, but I think it's important that Murray continues to teach us even, even as he's gone. So, so anyway, so that's Murray. And so looking at that, and that is a horse who is in a lot of pain. It doesn't look like you might think it's not rearing and whinnying. And, and he was even eating, you know, he was kind of a nervous eater, so he would eat, but he would take treats from me while we were waiting for things. He, so that it doesn't look like the picture you might anticipate, but you know what? A lot of times the situations we're looking at in, in being with our horses, we also can miss a lot of those subtleties. Sometimes those subtleties are going to be pain, you know, that there, it might be, you know, something going on with them physically. It could be something about the saddle fit, could be that they have a sore back from something else, but starting to recognize those little itty bitty things, that tension that you see in Murray is the same sort of tension you're going to see with mental anguish as well. So there he was physically hurting. Of course, he's mentally hurting. But but that he right there, what you see is tension. And I think it's really important that we start to recognize that and be able to tell. He was telling us loud and clear, I am in pain. But it's not so easy to see if, if we haven't learned to look for his subtleties. Murray all along, as many of you know, you've heard a lot about him on this show too. He's an off-the-track thoroughbred. And as an off-the-track thoroughbred, he didn't like life. He didn't like, he didn't, he wasn't comfortable with anything in his world. He didn't trust people. He didn't trust other horses. He didn't trust dogs. He didn't trust new things. He didn't trust, you know, he just was, he, he was really tense about his entire life. Now his eye wouldn't look like that. His eye would tend to look very big and kind of startled and, and, 
and pulled up. So we changed to see him change and watch him change and watch him get used to things. It was me looking at the subtle body language that he gave me. The subtle, the most subtle, I think, really comes in the face. And that's usually the first place I see it. But then there's other things that go on. You'll start to see, you know, how are, where is their head carriage? Is it even and low even, or is it kind of raised up high? Is it, uh, you know, do they have a leg cocked like they're going to kick or do they look comfortable? You know, there's so many pieces of the body language. Are they backing off? Are they sidling away? Are they all of these little pieces? And then the other piece that I think is really important is that we're at, where we get so much information is in the eye contact. To me, it's very, very important that we make eye contact. I won't even work my, my horses. I won't work any horse, not just mine. I don't want work them in sunglasses. I don't care how sunny it is. I will not work them in sunglasses because I want to be sure that I can make eye contact with them and they can make eye contact with me. So if I have a horse and a fly mask, sometimes I make a choice to keep the fly mask on because they need to keep flies out of their eyes. You know, I get it. But the but I'll kind of beat in and I'll really try to look hard through that fly mask to make sure that I can still find out where their eye is and really try to keep eye contact with them to to help them to to feel connected. So some of the body language is is showing us intention, even in joy. You know, I can tell when Murray was happy, he had kind of a soft look to him that was you know, soft and relaxed, but inquisitive, you know, he would kind of brightly be looking at things and wanting to go check things out and being curious. So it can tell me everything from tension to excitement, to, to happiness, to relaxation. And really it is starting to recognize the, I'm going to go back to the subtleties of the facial expressions first. Um, because one of the things that's also important there is you also need to get to know your horse because there's, I had a horse bugs and bugs. He, he used his lip like a prehensile elephant trunk, you know? So he was constantly, you know, he, he just, he, I couldn't get a good picture of bugs because we'd stand together and his little lip was just kind of twisting and, and trying to get into everything. Now for bugs, I knew this has nothing to do with tension. This is just kind of how he is. This is his curious little boy nature where he just wants to be in everything. So that to me, I had to take that in and go, okay, if he has, if his upper lip is square, that doesn't mean anything. If it's not square, it might mean more than, than if it was square. But on the other hand, if Minty had a square lip like that, or if Murray had a square lip like that, that gives me different information because that's not how they normally are. That is not their comfortable, engaged, you know, happy face. That that would be something very different if I saw that on Minty. So I think it's important to watch your horse interacting with, this is a great way to do it. You can watch them interacting with other horses. You can interacting on their own, how they're just standing in their stall or when they're playing with a toy or, you know, dealing with other horses, all of those things, watching their face and watching their facial expressions for figuring out what is the norm for them and then what is off of the norm. So it's kind of creating a bit of a baseline. Okay. So, and, and I think the body language is something that we have we've kind of paid more attention to in, in a traditional training sense. We have noticed, you know, if you can 
tell if they're about to kick, you know, if they look tight, if they're, you know, their back is hollowed, if their head's up in the air, you know, those things also giving us really good information. There was, but you know what? Sometimes it even is a little more subtle. I was called in to work with this uh, Mustang and she was young and she was having trouble having her feet done. What she kept doing is rearing for the farrier. So, so I worked, you know, on the relaxation and relaxation and, and actually she wasn't doing it so much out of fear as just I'm bored and now I want to play. So it wasn't to be a malicious thing. I mean, it's dangerous nonetheless, but it wasn't to be a malicious thing. It was just her saying, this is enough. I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go play. Stop. And so, so you're trying to teach her some impulse control and some self-regulation and building up the time. And it was all going really well. And so now, so I'm working in between the farrier visits. So then here comes the farrier for the farrier visits. And I could see, so I'm watching her carefully. I'm reinforcing her randomly as she's standing and looking relaxed. So as I look for relaxation, what do I look at? I look at the body language. I look at the face. Does the face look soft? Do the eyes look soft? Do the lips look soft? Does the nose look soft? The head carriage look soft? Does the, you know, I'm looking for all of that. While I can't know what's going on precisely in their head, I can see the outward signs that show me there's a lack of tension there. So I kept looking for the signs that show me she was kind of just relaxed and not thinking of causing trouble. And at one point I could see her chest hollow out and I thought she's getting ready to push off the ground and go up. And then I saw her chest soften back down. And that was amazing. But but nobody caught that but me because that's what that's what I do. And so as her little chest softened, I said, stop, everybody stop. And I clicked and I reinforced her and I reinforced her and I reinforced her because at that moment, she thought about a different decision and she made a choice to decide to settle back down and rest back down onto her feet. She didn't take her feet off the ground, but she was about to. So that just that little hollowing out, I knew those muscles were thinking about, I'm going to do something different now. And then she softened and went into a, a made a better decision. So that gave me a chance to look at what she had just done, the decision she just made and to reinforce it. But if you start to watch, to really watch your horses, you're going to notice a lot of that body language, the more subtle body language, the big rearing and striking and all that we get. But the, the smaller stuff, as we can also start to see the moments when they, they choose to relax or to settle down, or if they're coming intense and tight. Those are all things that we can help to gauge and, and figure out now. And it gives us good information because remember, they don't have language like we have language. You know, they can't talk to us. They can't text us. You know, they can't use sign language. They, they, do, they don't have vocal cords in order to just talk with us. So what they do is they communicate through that body language. And you know what? The other horses can recognize that body language. They can recognize the subtle little changes. They know something's up with Bucky because Bucky's a little weird right now, but it can just be that he's a little bit tense. And you know who else they can tell? They can tell us as well. So if you, I mean, they know if we're tense, they feel that because the, everything about us can be tense, you know? So now we're a little bit more rigid in our movements and our body language is conveying that we're carrying some tension for some reason. I remember one gal coming up and telling me she had a string of jumpers and she came up and said, all five of my horses were bad today. 
And I thought, really? <laughs> All five? What a coincidence. And really, it turned out she was having a bad day. Something that, you know, happened earlier before she got to the barn that she was carrying all of her horses she had a bad day with because there was something going on with her. So they weren't, they were responding to her tension. So not only are we looking for their tension, they're also looking to, to us. So as much as you can try to relax and take deep breaths and, and, and be really focused and in the moment because they are really, really good at reading body language. Okay. So now let's get to that other part. And that is the, the eye contact. I remember when I first started doing expos, you know, and so keep in mind, I'm a marine mammal trainer coming in and then I was doing, working, you know, with Grand Prix and Olympic show jumpers and dressage. So I was, that was kind of my world. And so as I started getting around expos, you kind of had a lot of people practicing natural horsemanship sort of thing and, you know, doing different renditions of their own thing. And one of the things I kept hearing is don't make eye contact. And I thought, don't make eye contact. What, what, how, what, how does that work? You know, because with the marine mammals, we always made eye contact. It was really, really, a really important part of our interacting and working together. And so I feel like it is really just the same with the horses. Now I get if you have a feral horse who, you know, that might be intimidating, like with our little Taz in the very beginning, I just didn't stare at her. I kind of kept my head down and looked away, walked away until she learned to pursue me. Well, now we make eye contact all the time. So it's something that I very quickly want to get to because if they don't trust me enough to look at them directly, or they don't feel safe enough to look at me directly, I got bigger problems. You know, I need to resolve that before I even think that I can move to the next thing. But, but it's constantly something that I'm looking for. So I want, okay, this is going to sound like one of those, those things that's a little, uh, seems a little esoteric or something, but you know, when you're walking with your horse and you can tell when their eyes are really focused somewhere else. So they're walking with you, but they're looking off kind of, it's something farther away. And, and it doesn't even mean that their head's all the way raised yet. It might be raised a little bit, but there's a moment when you can tell that their eye takes you back in. So it is it's not like they have to turn their head to me. I just know when that eye kind of checks back in to see, to keep track of what I'm doing. I click that a lot because that to me is actually, it means they are now focused back on me versus being focused on whatever they were looking for. So the first thing we really want to do is when we're teaching the positive reinforcement, we teach them to keep their head away so that we can build up their manners first. But then I want to be able to have that eye on me, but their head forward. So I, but I want that eye on me. So at first I let it go away. It doesn't really matter, but then pretty quick, I look for it to get back to me. There's a, a horse that I'm, I'm kind of new to work working with and I'm going to work him in our lab portion. But so I'm taking him out to, we have a Liberty arena that we work the horses in. So they go out and it's an arena and they're going to work at Liberty. And yet you can also see the track paddocks beyond it. So you can see horses running and playing. So it can be very distracting for the horses. They're kind of, they can see a lot of land around them and a lot of horses doing different things. So it could be rather distracting. Well, this horse is new to working with me and he's definitely new to doing Liberty work. And, 
out there particularly and, and, and being in that arena. So as I took him out the first time, he just went and ate all the weeds. So I thought, okay, I better... Uh, that that wasn't so successful. And then the next time he was just staring off more than not at the other horses. So what I do, I was working him on the reverse round pen. So I was giving him a little bit of direction. And what I did is um, when I would feel, when he would bring his eye back to me, I would then click and reinforce him. So I could see he was going around the the reverse round pen. So he's on the outside of the circle. I'm on the inside. He's going around, but his head is looking out. You know, I can tell he's trying to keep track of everything around him. So what I did, as soon as he would bring his eye back to me, not turn his head, just bring his eye back, I would click and reinforce. And then click and reinforce and click and reinforce. It's still in the early stages, but I'm starting to teach him, you're going to get reinforced when you focus on me. So I'm trying to make it more reinforcing to focus on me than it is to focus on the things going on outside of our, you know, our, our arena there or our session and what we're doing. So it is making a big change in him as he's getting the idea. I keep it short and sweet because I know it's really challenging right now to as we're building our relationship for him to choose to trot around the reverse round pen in the heat. It's not quite as fun as staring off at the others, but we're, that's what we're working on. So again, it's a point where I really use that eye contact is really, really important. And I want to teach it as a good way for us to, to, keep attached and keep focused on each other. It, at Liberty leading is another exercise. I think that is episode two or, or lesson two is Liberty leading. One of the biggest things I want from Liberty leading, I want that horse to be paying attention to me. If, if I have to, if I have a halter and lead rope on, he doesn't need to pay attention to me. He needs to pay attention to the rope. Now that's not really paying attention to me. That's paying attention to the rope. Now I'm using the rope, but, but that's what he's paying attention to. Liberty leading, I've got nothing. So I want him to actually figure out, I better, I better keep an eye on the human because her cues are subtle. And if I want to get reinforced, I want to figure this out. So it's liberty leading is to draw that focus into us. It is part of making the eye contact. It is part of helping them to focus on us. So making an eye contact is very, very important. There's another time it was, um, Murray was, we we're doing some lunging with him and, and kind of, you know, I was figuring out some things with the trainer and we, decided he, and it was here, it was here at um, Villanova. And he was kind of kept leaning on the lunge line and going kind of leaning heavily and bending the wrong way because he was leaning on the lunge line for balance, whatever. He was going the wrong way, leaning the wrong way. His head was out. And, and it was talked about, well, maybe we should, you know, use something, you know, typically we would put side reins on in a, in a place like this. And, and I thought, well, well, what is, what do they do? And, you know, would help to create a better bend and, and this sort of thing. And I thought, well, I think I could do it if I just click him for looking for keeping eye contact while he's, while he is lunging. So took all this stuff off, put him on the reverse round pen. And as he's going along the reverse round pen, I just started clicking as he was looking at me. Well, that changed the bend. The bend now is to the inside. Then I went back to shaping for kind of get low and round. And it just, all it was, was recognizing I need him to make eye contact. If he makes eye contact, we will, we will 
change the way he's going, which will change his balance, which will change, you know, some really key pieces. So eye contact to me is super duper duper important. I want them to focus on me, but by nature, I'm also focusing on them. So me watching their eyes, me watching their mouth, me watching their nose, me watching their ears, me watching their head carriage, me watching all those things. I am going to, to, be super focused and attentive on them. And what I want to teach the horses to do is find it worthwhile to find it reinforcing to really pay attention to us and make it worth their while. If we have, I always say, and I, I, I want a horse that shows up, suited up, ready to play. You know, so I want, when I bring the horse out, they're like, I'm here. I'm excited to be here. This is great. And that comes from that focus. So I really want them to feel, I want to feel like they're here. They're with me. They're engaged in this. They like this. They see this as a precious time together. And, and because I'd feel that way and I'm suited up and I'm ready to play and I'm ready to, to figure out what can we do to have this be fun for both of us. So I think that the eye contact and that focus is really the most important part. One of the other things you'll hear me say all the time is attitude is the most important part. Teaching attitude is the tough part. Teaching stuff, teaching behaviors is easy. You know, teaching them to bow or whatever. That part's not hard once you have the right attitude. And the beginning of getting that attitude is getting that focus and getting that eye contact. So it is really an important element for me. It kind of goes a little bit more into the training aspect when I think the subtleties of the body language and the facial expressions tell me more about their emotional state, but the eye contact kind of shifts to to, to putting the two together and creating that good and focused attitude so you can really work together and building a great and fun working relationship. Anyway, so there's a lot of pieces there and, and this is going to be a lifelong endeavor. This isn't going to be something that you go, oh yeah, I got it. You know, it, it's not like that. And then you get a different horse or you work with a different horse. I, I have the advantage of working with thousands of horses and that's a, that's an amazing thing because I've, I've taken it all in from different horses. So sometimes it can mean very different things for different horses. So trying to figure out what does this overall picture look like? How can I read my horse's body language and his facial expressions and, and the, the eye contact or lack of eye contact? It all becomes part of me evaluating and analyzing where are we? What are we doing? Is this comfortable? Is this not comfortable? One of the things we really want to do is keep our horses under threshold and keep them in a place where they are relaxed and focused and they they can happily do their job. Now their job is in quotations because I don't feel like they work for us. I feel like we kind of work for them actually. But the the, the wanting them to be relaxed. Now there's times and our little Taz, our little feral horse is coming along. We're at this place with her where I can hug her. She will let me hold her face and kiss it. She's great. But you get a halter near her. You get equipment near her head. And this comes from her history that concerns her. So the hands, it used to be the hands. Now the hands are pretty good. Now it's the equipment that is the evil part. And we're getting through this. But as we get the halter on her, she's really good about that. She's actually good about wearing the halter, but you couldn't get the halter off of her without it making her worried. So there's a point where we had to kind of push 
where we moved into her little bit of her uncomfortable zone, but not so much that we'd lost her, not so much that should we, that we lost ground, but we, but we had to kind of approach it just a little bit, a little bit, but we, I would watch and see, does the head come down a little? Did the eyes soften a little? Did the ears look a little softer? All those things were telling me when she said, okay, I'm a little bit better with this now. And so it was points where I could click and say, that's what I'm looking for is you to soften and for you to relax. So it is something like I just said, is a lifelong pursuit of trying to figure out the body language and, and looking at it as, as communication throughout the training process. And to take that subtle stuff, please don't ignore it because it is their way of trying to tell you how they're feeling. And if we can recognize it and we can respect it, we are going to create a relationship where they feel heard. And, and I think that's really important that they feel like they have a voice and they can be heard and we can go at a pace that helps them to be uh, comfortable with the steps as we move forward. So there we go. That's what um, I want you to think about for today. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I am going to take... Um, I'm going to take Lance out and I'm going to do the reverse round pen with him. And we're going to be outside in the, the Liberty Arena, which is kind of a distracting place for him that I found it to be so. And I'm going to look for him to be focused and making eye contact with me. This is not a brand new concept for him, but it's new enough that we haven't aced it yet. You know, it's not, he's not like Murray. Murray's like, I'm with you. I'm on it. There's nothing else going on in the world, but you. And, and Lance still kind of looks off and thinks there's a lot going on that I need to check out. So that's what I'm going to work on. What I want you to do is think of a behavior where maybe you feel like you have wavering focus, wavering eye contact, um, where, and usually if you do, there's a lot of body language that goes with it. So look for those things. And a great example of doing this that you might even want to do with your horse is lead them to a place that maybe you don't lead them all the time. So don't make it so, so worrisome that he goes way over threshold and you, he's in fight or flight mentally. You know, that's, that's not really a good learning place. So you want to have it where maybe it's just a little challenging. There's kind of new things around not so much that you're going to completely send them to that flight mode, but just enough where th that might be a little bit of a challenge for them to look at you or think for you, think, you know, to focus on you. And so a lot of times leading to new places can be a great way to start establishing this exercise. But if you can, you could do liberty leading in, in your paddock or your, your paddock or your arena, like I'm going to be doing. And if you don't have, like I, we naturally have a lot going on because horses are all around doing other things, but it could be that you've set up something in your paddock or your, your arena, like a chair or a, a bag way down over there on the fence or something that is not going to be too concerning, but maybe a little distracting. So what we can do is work on getting that focus, work on getting that eye contact and trying to observe some of their body language as we go through that process. So give that a little bit of thought and get your stuff together, get your horse to a good place where you want to work with them, get your food, get your, you know, sometimes I use targets for this if I, if I've lost them a little bit, but mostly I'm looking for them to, uh, to elicit the eye contact and look to me with, for eye contact. So get yourself, get your food, get your side buckets, your targets, clickers, whatever you're going to need, get your props if you have them or decide where you're going to go. And we'll get back together in just a few minutes. So go get yourself organized and we'll get back out into the lab. 
Okay, folks, here we are. I am with Lance, and Lance is a really large horse. He's pushing 18 hands, and he's an Irish horse, and he does eventing. So he is, uh, that, that's a little bit about Lance. And so what we're doing is, even walking over here, I I saw him looking like at the uh, the air conditioner that's on our um our pavilion our kind of learning center and so i was like okay well let's go take a look at it so we could come up and take a look at it and and again though as he looked at it i reinforced him for looking at it but i looked for him to make bring his eyes back to me and make eye contact with me which kind of in a way was him saying i'm good let's move on and so it was a, a nice bit of communication there when i realized he was he was not so worried about it. He had processed it and, and he was ready to move on because they were soft, relaxed eyes. So now we are in our Liberty area. I do have the reverse round pen set up. So for those of you that don't know, it's um, it's basically cones with ex like telescoping poles to, keep, to build a bit of a round pen. And then, um, so they're just kind of large traffic cones and the extendable... Uh, poles and then it's about a 20 meter circle so it's big it makes it big enough that the horse can go in a balanced way so i tend to work with me on the inside them on the outside and he can go anywhere he wants in the arena you know he's not attached to anything he can come or go or do what he wants which is ideal for this sort of situation because it is he has the freedom to show me everything he's thinking and feeling there's no there's no you know, I'm definitely not coercing him. I'm letting him, he can come or go or do what he wants to do. So as we came in here, I, um, I'm putting kind of closing it up a little bit and we are in here now. So I'm going to walk over and I'm going to step inside the reverse round pen. Now he is just learning the concept of going, you know, between walk and trot on our reverse round pen because it is still a very new concept for him. He knows how to lunge, you know, he learned that in his, you know, traditional world life. And so he knows those pieces and it's not a problem for him. But in this situation, I want him to work and focus on me and to, and to start to kind of rule out the little pieces of the things that are going on all around me. So, and, and they're kind of off in the distance for him, which for some horses, things off in the distance are more worrisome than a dog right next to the arena. You know what I mean? It's the horse is way off there and he can't quite tell what it is versus I know that's a dog running in the bushes next to the arena. So for him, he seems to get a little focused on the things far and away. He's not typically a spooky horse, but it doesn't mean he is 100% focused in those times. So I'm going to ask him. Okay, Lance, are you ready? And okay, and I'm clicking him right there. So I didn't even ask him to go yet. I was about to ask him. I put my arm up and ask him for a walk. I was about to do that. But instead, what I like that he just looked over at me and he kind of checked in. I felt like he was very focused and looking for the cue that was about to come. That's really good. That's really important. He made eye contact and he in that way he looked at me and he let me know his body language told me that i am focused i am relaxed i'm not worried about the other things going on out in that world so that was great it w i didn't even get anything yet but outside of that focus and so he's done his eating and now i'm going to ask him to walk on so he as he's walking on okay so now he is walking on and i see him kind of looking he's craning his little neck and looking out to see what's happening up on the hill over there. And that's okay. And then he kind of brings his head back to, okay. And I clicked him right there. 
So what he did there is he kind of looked over there, then he let go of that. And that was okay because he let go of it. Now he's just walking. But I didn't feel like he took me in. He was just walking, which is not bad because he was doing what I asked. But I wanted to kind of draw attention to the moment when I feel like that eye just came to me a little bit more. Again, it wasn't the whole head coming towards me. It was just the eye coming towards me. And you know what else happened at that time? So when he was looking off, his face looked a little tense, you know, because he's trying to figure out what is going on. He's not a super tense horse, so it's not, you know, like Murray would have been bigger about it. He's not really big about it, but he was focused on it. But I could still see more tension and alertness in his face out there in kind of a apprehensive way. And so then when he came back to get on the circle, he still had that kind of tenseness in his face. I could t still tell he was thinking about what that was. When his eye came to me, he actually softened. So his little nose looked a little bit softer and his little lips looked a little bit softer. And his head came down just to skosh, which I want him to kind of go long and low. So that was really nice. And that's what we're looking for. So I'm going to go ahead and try that again. Okay, and we're going again. And he looked at me right away. Good boy. So I said he's a good boy. He's keeping his eye on me. This part that we're going around is closer to uh, like the road, our little road in between our paddocks. So it's not quite as much going on. As we go along this other side, we're next to the jumping arena. And there's a horse over there being ridden. And he's good with me. Okay, good boy. And trot. So now I asked him to trot and he's trotting and he trotted past that good. And I clicked right there. So that hill, as I made that circle around there, we're going past the hill where I lost his focus last time. And he didn't take his focus away. He went to trot, which is harder. And he kept his focus on me, which uh, going to the trot, I kind of thought, oh, odds are it's going to be easier to kind of do avoidance and look away at what's going on. But he didn't. He stayed with me. He stayed focused. He stayed trotting. Not for very long. We haven't built up. I haven't even had him go around a whole lap in the trot yet. I mean, not that he couldn't, but we've just been so, it's been so new for us. So that was great. I really like that he did that. And in, in, in the trot, I'm looking for a little bit more of the body language. While different behaviors can have me looking for different things, I don't want to see him going with his head up and hollow and with his back hollow and his head up and his legs out behind him. I wanted to see him start relaxing and kind of rounding and lifting his back a bit and using his hind end underneath of him. So he's moving a little bit better. So that also tends to coincide with when he's more relaxed. When he is tense, he tends to have his head up. When he's more relaxed, he has his head down and his back up. And that's really important for the biomechanics. So that was great. Okay, and if we do it again, I'm going to I'm going to walk him for a little bit and I'm going to ask him to trot half of a circle, but it's going to encompass. Okay, and ho. Good. I'm going to click and reinforce him for that. Not as much. He's really good about hoeing, but he did. He did hoe and he kept his focus with me. So what I'm going to do is ask him to trot past the jumping arena part and past the horses on the hill part. If he does that, I'm going to be good with that. So let's see what we get. Okay, ready? Walk on. Good boy. Okay, now as we're walking and trot. And he goes into the trot. Okay, I kind of lost him a bit there. 
He did go kind of look up at the hill, activity kind of race. So I'm just going to keep trying. Keep trotting. Good boy. And trot. Keep going. Good. Okay. And I'm going to click and reinforce there. So I, he, I did lose him a little bit there as we went by the hill. And so the, the, the hill in the distance. So I'm going to see. We're going to try it again. So what I did, I didn't, I didn't draw attention to it. I just let him go past it a bit. And as he kind of got back to being more relaxed, I still let him go a few more strides after he got back to being relaxed. So one of the things that you've heard me talk about before in these podcasts is we want to be careful of not creating a chain. So if I have him where he goes, get tense, then look at her, get tense, then look at her, then tense, I can create this chain where he thinks I do that first and then I correct it by doing this. I do this first and correct it by doing this. And so that's why I didn't click it the second he looked back at me. I thought, no, let's keep a, a, a couple more strides on there just to show me that you're back to focus and holding the focus. Okay, so I'm going to set that up. I'm going to walk him around to that point and we're going to try it again. Okay, Lance, you ready? Walk on and trot. And so up he goes and we're trotting. Good boy. That's very good. Very good. And I'm going to click and I'm going to reinforce that and I'm going to leave it there. So now I'm taking him over to give him a jackpot over in the corner. And a jackpot, of course, is a magnitude reinforcement where I'm letting him know that he did a great job and I'm going to give him a big pile of of his reinforcement, his food. And so he can, it, it's kind of the way I like to break the session. So there I say, okay, we're done learning. Here's your jackpot for a job well done. And, and I can step away for a second. So what I really liked about that, that this really wasn't about Eventually, I'm going to get where I want him to be able to go duration around, to have some duration to go around the reverse round pen. But right now, our biggest challenge is his focus. So I'm not really, I'm using the reverse round pen as something we're working on, but it's really the focus I'm working on. So I'm teaching a behavior, but I'm really trying to shape that attitude and get him where he's focused and really engaged in the training and wanting to do it. So that's why keeping it really short and sweet, having him trotting on these hot days was great for me. I really appreciated that he did that. And it gave me a chance to reinforce him for it and to to draw attention to it so I can see more of that in the future. Because remember, what is a reinforcer? It simply increases the likelihood of seeing that behavior re, uh, repeated or increase in frequency. So I kept trying to reinforce the times he looked at me so I can get more of him focusing on me in the future. And again, it wasn't a whole head turn to me. It was just taking me in with his eye. So... That's where we're going to end that little session for today. That was great. I want you to go ahead and get to a good stopping place with your horse. Maybe you need to do a few more things. Remember, short and sweet is better than long and drawn out. But get to a good place. Get a couple more approximations. Remember, if you need to take your criteria down a little bit to get more success, don't hesitate to do that. You know, get the success and then rebuild from there. So. I will meet you in a few minutes. Once you get done with your session, you go ahead and put your horse away and get things wrapped up. And then we will talk about homework. All righty. So one of the things that we... Uh, 
we want to do is we want to do homework because homework's how we practice and this is how we get better. So of course, homework is really important. And when we're using positive reinforcement, homework can be a lot of fun. One of the things that people ask me about all the time is what should I feed my horse when I'm doing this? And of course, you want to pick something that is within their diet. You know, if you have a horse who has you know, struggles with insulin resistance or something, you want to be sure that you're giving him food that is healthy and good for him. Even if your horse doesn't, I'm not a big fan of using a lot of sugar. So I still want to tend to use, I use hay pellets mixed with maybe some of the grain that they get for the day. So I always want to pick a good quality food that I feel like is going to make my horse physically better and something that can be part of their diet. One of the things I really love, and when I have my little Henley coming, who is my little Philly who will be here in a couple weeks or less, um, where I always use Cavalor. And Cavalor is just a great food. It's really less processed than a lot of the foods we have available to us here in the U.S. So let's learn a little bit more about Cavalor and, and what they do and what makes their food special. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago. And they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalier's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalier is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalier was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalier's is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part of Cavalier's team is, it, is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www. Cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. All righty. So as, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many things that we can get more and more and more and more refined at. The more you start looking at these little kind of nuances that our horses offer to us, the, the, the better you're going to be and identifying them. So, and it almost is like it becomes louder to you, you know? So instead of just being like, oh, I don't know why that happened. You start to go, you know, it's funny. I just pulled out my saddle pad and 
you know, there was the lips went a little tight or, you know, whatever it is, but it, it, then it gives you something to pause about and think, okay, well, why would that be? Because that is a communication of something, you know, maybe it was the horse next to you in the cross ties or something, but it means there's something happened that created a behavioral change. Is it subtle? Yes. Can we ride right over it? Yes. But should we ride right over it? No. We should take that and really try to help evaluate. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? What, what can we do? Can I get less response on that or more response or whatever we're looking for? So it is a lifelong endeavor. This isn't something that you just go, oh, I got it. And that's all there is to it. It becomes something that's going to get more and more and more adept for you. So I want you to, to do things, like I said earlier, just watching your horse ways turned out with other horses, you know, feeding time around the the, the manger or when they're out, you know, eating by himself in his stall, whatever it is, watch your horse's facial expressions, watch your, the body language, watch what your horse does, how they move mechanically. It tells you a lot about them and it helps you to get a better understanding of your horse, what's normal for your horse and maybe what's not normal for your horse. And there's been times I've just been watching horses because I've kind of just taking in who they are and what they're about. And I thought, Something doesn't seem right, you know, and, and we've gone back and we found that there is, was some little source of pain or some, some antagonist in the environment that, that nobody really paid attention to until we slowed down to look at those little pieces and then we recognized it for what it was. And then we could, we could make adjustments. After all, we really want to keep them, I mean, I think really our biggest point is we really want to take care of their mental and physical well-being. And a lot of times their mental well-being really is, if we can get those little pieces, we can help to adjust and make small adjustments that can help them to be happier and more content in the world. And when we have them happier and more content in their world, we have better athletes, we have better partners, we have you know, all of that really starts to change. So I think slowing down and paying attention to those pieces can be really, really important. And, and it can be very reinforcing, you know, and you're just going to learn more about horses in general, but specifically about the horses you're working with. So I think that is really the biggest homework is you've started on something. So keep going with it and keep paying attention to it. It's easy to miss it. We can get caught up in what we're doing, but, but keep practicing that and, and, and look at when you teach a new behavior or the same behavior in a new place. So sometimes, you know, yeah, they do this, they do it perfectly in one area. We shift the context. Ooh, ooh, now it may be very different. So, so again, watch when you shift to doing one behavior in different areas or watch what happens when you introduce a new behavior. What happens when you introduce a new element into their environment? Like, you know, there's, there's another horse in here now, or there's a, a, a chair that wasn't there and watch how there's the subtle changes and, and watch as it improves when you're doing things and how you can help them to be more well adjusted for their world. Anyway. So there you go. That is kind of your lifelong homework that we have. All right. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen to this podcast on Horse Radio Network app, or which is available for Android or the iOS or Apple devices. Um, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's easy to use. So be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www horseradionetwork.com. There's so many fun shows on there. So it's, there's different 
you know, there's just fun shows, there's different disciplines, there's different interests. There's just, it's a great resource for lots of information and knowledge or just a good time, which is always important too. So go ahead and listen to that. Like I said, on the Horse Radio Network, you can also go to my uh, my website, if you Google Shauna Karish, you're going to find my website. You're going to find Nova's website and you can find out what we're up to. You can also on my, my links, my pages on Nova website, you can find these podcasts. You can also find the Ask Shauna questions. You can find some blogs. You can find products. So go ahead and search for those things if you want to learn more about me or what we're up to, what we're doing at Nova or or you just feel like snooping around. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. <laughs>